Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, uh, hello, Mark. Uh, it's evening for us, but morning for one of our uh, special guests today. But you know what? I do have my ortho, Joe, Mark, but I tell you, I do not have I do not have coffee in it, and I'll leave it to you to guess what might be in here for an evening. But uh, regardless, regardless, uh, hoping you're doing okay in Minnesota right now. Yes, I'm doing just great, and I would have something warm in my ortho Joe mug, except our power's out, so I'm actually doing this. this <laughs> okay, so we're going to get onto it. We're going to get right into this. Oh, uh, we're good. We got plenty of battery life, you know. We're the Energizer buddy, Bunny here in Minnesota, so we're good. Excellent. So why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, listen, a friend and colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Jennifer Green. I think many of you who have been following, uh, I think a lot of the work that's been done uh, in equity, diversity, inclusivity, and orthopedic would know her already by reputation. But certainly for some of you who may not know her, uh, she's a hand and wrist surgeon from Australia, many, many other accolades, but um, of importance for this evening or her morning's discussion is that she's president of the International Orthopedic Diversity Alliance. And we're here to learn a little bit more about uh, her work and uh, specifically some of the um, advances that have been made in this specific area. Welcome, Jennifer. Good morning to you in Australia. Thank you very much. Just just on midday now. So we're. Oh, midday. Right. Okay. So I've got my, yes. I've got my time zones a bit off here. But it's still. Lo lovely <laughs> to be here. And thank you. Thank you, Mo and Mark, for the invitation. So I wonder if you could just start off by giving, um, you know, for those for those who might be listening who aren't quite um, as up to date on IO, uh, IOTA, I guess, um, yeah. in, uh, International Orthopedic Diversity Alliance, can you tell me a little bit about its origins and a little bit about how far you've come in a relatively short period of time? Sure. So... We originally started in 2019 as a, a group of diversity advocates, about 45 of us from around the world, from 30 different nations. And we got together. I've sort of I had previously been the chair of the Orthopedic Australian Orthopedic Women's Group and sitting on the Australian Orthopedic Board and thought that there seemed to be a lot of a lot happening around the world, but we're all in our silos. So it seemed a very sensible idea to bring everyone together and see if we could amplify the work that's been done. Um, so in 2020, we actually, we first published two papers, one of them in EFORT Open Reviews about gender diversity, and then a, a second one uh, in the British uh, Journal of Trauma and Orthopaedics uh, about diversity in orthopaedics as well. And we got together and decided we would set up an organisation. Uh, so we got a 501c3 registration. Uh, thank you to Christy Weber, our inaugural president and past president of the American Academy. And we set up a board with 12 people and six of them representing the six different regions of, of the world. Um, we've now got over 1,000 followers. We've got more than, sorry, 1,000 members and more than 10,000 followers. And, and we've been speaking at uh, a lot of meetings around the world, both in person and webinars. So we've, we've really traveled the world, particularly this year, but also the previous year, we've been to the British Association, the American Academy, EFORP meeting, SICOP meeting, we've been to the Tunisian Orthopedic Association, the 
Argentinian, the Italian, uh, and we've been to Malaysia. So it's been quite quite a world tour this year for all our board members and many of our members standing up and really speaking out. And I didn't mention South Africa as well. One of our vice president, um, Marie Tiart, is, is standing strong in South Africa. So from, from representation, we're, we're also developing a mentorship program uh, and that is led by Sean Tabe in the US, and he is bringing an international group together to plan a program where we can bring people uh, into, into the fold who feel like they're really on the periphery of orthopaedics and encourage more people to join orthopaedics who may not feel they really belong here at the moment. What do you think, I mean, like you know, the work you've been doing, I think you probably have a, a pretty good sense of of you know the progress that's being made, you know, just you know since since the I guess inception of of IOTA, but also some of the ongoing challenges. Like, how do you balance them? So maybe a little bit about some of the progress you've seen, um, just even during you know the period of time that you've been strong. I mean, you think you've been a lifelong advocate, but you know under under the auspices of IOTA, and where do you see the ongoing work ahead? I think those would be the two areas which I'm I'm generally curious about. Yeah. So I I think. A lot of it's about education and understanding what is going on and, and you know, treading obviously diplomatically. There is so much, as you both know, some really good evidence out there that diversity really will help orthopaedics. You know, the corporates are well ahead of medicine and we know from, you know, the paper from, from actually the UK uh, McKinsey, who are an enormous uh, corporate, and they in 2015 wrote a paper uh, on diversity, and they showed that if your organisation was uh, 30% diverse, you were more likely to attract the top talent, you made better decisions, you were actually much more innovative, and, and you even made a greater profit. So there was a real baseline, and that's why corporate America and the corporate world is trying to integrate diversity. But we've been in medicine fairly slow to come to this. Uh, and there are quite a few, few barriers. Some of them are historic, but the main barriers that, that we really see are lack of role models, lack of visibility in role models. Um, we have lack of flexibility in training, which is quite an issue, particularly for women, but also flexibility is good for people who want to do PhDs or may have some, you know, excellence in sport that they want to pursue or, or some other talent. You know, we want everyone to explore their talents in orthopaedics, not, you know, necessarily only be an orthopaedic surgeon. And uh, I'm sure, you know, Mo, you pretty well exemplify that uh, as well. Um, but the other, the other problems we have are unconscious bias, really, in selection and promotion. Uh, and there are ways around that. Um, probably one of the inspiring things I've seen happen on the Australian Board of Orthopaedics, and we have the opportunity because we are the, uh, the pivotal training body for our whole nation, and it's, so it's quite different to the U.S., we actually drive the selection process and we've been able to digitise our selection process and our, our interview process. So we, we now have diverse eight diverse panels where there must be a female on each panel in this selection process. And we've found that uh, that is actually 
brought on a much more diverse traineeship or resident group. And we are continually reviewing that and seeing exactly, you know, if you tweak something one way, does that affect who who you promote and bring on? Um, The other things that we've we've also found are, you know, the promotion of, of women in particular being obviously the very underrepresented, given we're 50% of the population. But over the past four years since we set up our diversity strategy, and that's a that's a thing around the world, there are only half a dozen nations that actually have a diversity strategy on their orthopedic for their orthopedic association. So trying to promote that um, is one thing IOTA is really, really keen to do. And for that purpose, we've developed the IOTA Charter, which is a document that we are inviting orthopaedic associations around the world to sign and, and show that they are dedicated to actually driving diversity in their organisation, to creating opportunities for diverse surgeons and bringing in diverse residents. We so far have our first, this is fairly recent uh, initiative, we've got our first three associations on board. So we have the British Association have signed up, the American Orthopaedic Association have signed the charter and so have the New Zealanders. So the the Australians and Americans are very, the academy are very close behind. They're just pro- processing at the moment and then we're going to reach out around the world uh, and the Canadian Association, I know, has has it on track. So let's try trying to drive. We know that leadership really drives diversity. There's a lot of evidence around that. Um, I obviously read a lot about diversity in orthopedics, but also there's a huge amount of evidence outside of the orthopedic um, literature about how we can improve diversity in orthopedics. And I, I had the chance. To- Sorry, uh, I had the chance to uh, witness a, a very uh, excellent symposium that you put on, and actually Dr. Bandari participated as well with you, Dr. Green, at SICOT uh, in Malaysia. And uh, my, my feeling is that many of our listeners may not know about IOTA, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on. Yeah, and I think I, I think what Mark was getting at too, Jen. I'm I'm, I'm going to use my telepathy. I'm going to lose my telepathy as yeah, you know as, you. A, as a screen. But I, I I think there's been a lot of interest. I think there's been a lot of interest. Um, you know, in trying to understand you know uh, orthopedic diversity, and you know, I'm going to paraphrase here a bit. But can you speak? I we, we've used a lot of terminology, and I know there's a lot of. Um, Probably a lot of misinterpretation of, of what 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 we mean by diversity, what we mean by inclusivity, and maybe what we mean by equity. Would you take a moment, maybe just to share how you interpret some of these terms, or or whether or not you know there's just a, a common overall uh, overreaching goal that you know we should be all trying well, to. Uh, I think really IOTA's main goal is to have equity in healthcare. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Create by creating greater representation in orthopedics, we can provide equity in healthcare. And there is so much 
being published at the moment in the orthopedic literature. We, we know, for instance, that women are between three and up to 22 times less likely to be offered a knee replacement than a male. We know that if you're a Black African-American and you have major lower limb trauma, you are more likely to have an amputation. Uh, we know that if you are a child with parents who have English as a second language, you are less likely to access orthopaedic care and have delayed treatment and presumably compromised outcomes. And there is now literature in almost every orthopaedic subspecialty showing the disparity in healthcare that we are providing in orthopaedics. And it is quite concerning. There are only a handful of papers that actually look at diverse healthcare workers and show that they do actually provide better outcomes for patients. Unfortunately, because we are so lacking in diversity in orthopedics and we are around the world, one of the two, it often varies between neurosurgery, cardiac surgery and orthopedics, but orthopedics really is probably more renowned for our lack of diversity. Uh, and this evidence is mostly coming out of North America and some out of the UK, but we have to presume that it is around the same problems uh, around the world. And in some places, they're going to be much worse than the US as well. So I think we have to look at the literature. We're scientists and we have to drive our decision-making and our strategy through what we read and what we know. Well, that totally makes sense to me as well. Thank you for sharing some of those insights. So, Mark, you were talking about your attendance at the SICOT uh, meeting in Malaysia, and I'm, I'm curious what you took away from that and, and what insights um, you, you gleaned from that, as I think you had a couple of questions around those topics. Right. Uh, for me, it was... Uh... Uh, just a refresher course on the on the data, uh, which which are worrisome, uh, but I came away with a sense of optimism that we as a specialty now have a plan, and we are in an organized fashion communicating that plan around the world. Uh, so I, I left encouraged, um, and uh, I I would I don't know if you had a chance to answer the question that I was thinking about was membership. What are the requirements? Can anybody join? IOTA. Anyone can join IOTA. So we invite orthopedic surgeons, students, medical students, trainees and residents. And we also invite orthopedic industry because they're, they're actually a step ahead in being corporate organisations. They have already uh, done quite a lot of work in diversity in their own organisations and they are quite keen to assist orthopedics with becoming more diverse. And as you're no doubt aware, there are several in major industry organizations who are promoting diversity of various types in orthopedics. And we want to collaborate with everyone in this space so that we can work together and have a, a more impactful outcome. I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that they, they can join in this effort and support this effort and continue to learn uh, together. Uh, you mentioned earlier an industry study that suggested that 30% diverse work workforce mm -hmm. uh, made for much, much better uh, functioning business. Is that sort of, should that be our target? It should, have it, a target? Yes, it should be our target. I mean, we, we don't, 
there is a lot of obviously um, discontent about actual physical. We can, I think, we can have targets without actually fixed numbers. I think it's a gradual uh, increase in diversity that we need, but we need to understand where we will reach, what the targets mean, and what we should be aiming for. Um, at the moment, there is not a single nation in the world that has 30% female orthopaedic surgeons as participants, not one, not even in Scandinavia. And, you know, down in Australia, we are 5%. It's pretty, you know, shocking for a nation that, that kind of prides itself on, on being very, um, very open-minded and progressive. Um, so, you know, there is work to be done. And a lot, a lot of this is going to be driven obviously through organisations and through leadership. And that's why we are trying to really talk to leaders, involve leaders and, and speak out at major meetings so that people understand the background and why we're doing it and what the actual evidence for diversity is. We don't want to say, look, we're only taking 30% females or 30% um, multicultural individuals onto our program, but we need to understand that to get meaningful outcomes, you really need to target those numbers. Um, in, in Australia, we have uh, uh, Indigenous, a large Indigenous population. They are only 3% of our population overall. But until recently, you know, no one even noticed that we actually had Indigenous trainees on our program. And so, you know, they make they are fantastic role models. We have, uh, we're about to graduate the first female Indigenous surgeon from an, our orthopaedic program. And we don't want to burden these individuals with too much advocacy, but we certainly want to um, provide visible role models for people coming through who are Indigenous and may want to continue in, in orthopaedics. Um, when I was at EFORT, one of our colleagues, Linda Chikotho from Malawi, presented a paper about um, the value of femoral nails versus tra traction for femoral fractures and, you know, brought to our attention for the whole audience that really there is little funding for technology such as femoral nails, and she has spent her PhD trying to prove that there is actual a benefit to using femoral nail. I mean, for orthopaedic surgeons, it's pretty obvious that putting patient in traction for three to four months, taking them out of workplace, having them many hundreds of kilometres from their family and their community is not the right approach to treatment. But in terms of Malawi actually getting funding, all the funding is going to um, medical illnesses such as TB and malaria. And Linda Chikotho was able to point out that actually the burden of illness for orthopedic injuries was far, far greater than these infectious conditions, yet very little funding going to that, to orthopedics. You know, they have terrible roads, they have lots of accidents, um, but Whilst it may be intuitive for orthopaedic surgeons that this is a major problem, they're not getting much recognition or funding to look after their, their people. 
So, well, you know, it's, it's from, you know, one extreme to, to another, really, where we're looking at diversity across the world and there are different issues. And that's why we've got representatives from different nations. I mean, it may, it's quite eye-opening. Um, I only found out recently from our Middle Eastern representative that in Saudi Arabia, they have a higher percentage of women in orthopedic training than the USA. I mean, absolutely astounding data. Um, Malaysia, a, a moderate Muslim country, has had four presidents of their orthopaedic association, more than anywhere else in the world. So it just really brings back to me my unconscious biases and understanding that we all have unconscious biases and we need to understand what the reality is. And that's part of what IOTA is trying to do is to really uh, lay open the information and connect communities, orthopedic communities around the world so that we can take the best of each nation's initiatives to drive diversity. At an individual level. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, there'll be those listening in who are actively participating, who are, who are, and there's going to be a rare few who are actually leading this movement, such as yourself. What does the everyday, I'll put this in Bracken quote, surgeon, uh, resident trainee do in their own institution that can help in any way, you know, sort of everyday movement towards moving diversity forward? What are the things that we could be doing um, at an individual level to kind of um, move this overall mission towards equity mm. forward? Uh, I think one of the main, you know, if we look at driving diversity, we're looking at the the leadership driving from the top, but down at the grassroots, we need to encourage more diverse medical students and trainees into orthopedic to to pursue orthopedics to give uh, residents and trainees opportunities. So, really trying to put our own internal biases to one side and recognize that that we ha- we all have a role and helping medical students see the joys of orthopedics. It's an amazing career. As, as one of my, the orthopedic past presidents in Australia like to say, there are two types of people in the world, those who are orthopedic surgeons and those who wish they were. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a great profession. And if we can reach out and actually encourage our, ju- our juniors to think about orthopedics um, it doesn't take a lot to really just provide a moment of mentorship, mm-hmm. even when you have junior doctors around, when you have medical students around, and, and to encourage them and give them opportunities, to, to give opportunities. And, and we talk about mentorship, but we also talk about sponsorship. Uh, and a sponsor is someone that will actually talk about you rather than teaching you there's someone for those who in the audience who who aren't clear about the differences uh, sponsors can be really pivotal in career advancement so if if you sponsor someone who is maybe not like yourself for a, a role in your organization or a role in, in your um, in your local um, community or a role in your um orthopedic department, you are actually helping promote diversity as well. 
Great. Excellent. So it's really encouragement and, and recruitment uh, is how we could all help. So uh, Mo and I had an interview uh, on Ortho Joe uh, last year with the first black uh, National Football American Football League physician and the first black National Hockey League physician. And we were talking about underrepresented minorities in our specialty. And one of the uh, colleagues brought up the point it, it's all it's all well and good that we are concerned about the low teens of women in orthopedics, but we're 1.6% in underrepresented minorities. We'd love to be 3%. So yeah. it's a bit of a tough question, but I know you've had it before. Should, should we not be more uh, placing more emphasis on the underrepresented minorities than, than women, or should we have it just be a, a, an overarching principle that we should follow? Look, I, I think we really need to do both. Mm. And they do have, there are, there are some nuances between how you engage and promote minorities versus uh, gender diversity. Mm. Uh, but we have a lot of expertise now, um, mm. a lot of people who, who, and a lot of evidence about how to, how to do this. And in the US, you know, there is a great advantage of having so many advocacy organisations such as um, the Gladden Society, Ruth Jackson, and the we've got the um, Perry Initiative, we've got the AALOS, so, and Pride Ortho more recently as well. So there is really a lot of um, knowledge that we can seek out, and it, that's part of the concept of IOTA is to bring everyone under the umbrella so that we can get the knowledge and the insights because I don't I'm not an LGBTQI person and I do not know the best alternatives and the best way to manage the diversity issues there so you know seeking out from those who represent those minorities and getting the information from them and not making it, we can't make the decisions on our own. That's why we need to reach out to those individuals and those societies that are already established. And, you know, pipeline programs are, are really excellent, um, like Perry Initiative and Nth Dimensions in bringing those our young people into orthopedics. But, you know, in the US you have, a lot of these organisations and in the rest of the world, there are barely any at all. Right. So, you know, trying to really amplify some of the great work that is going on in the US and connecting people so that they can use what has already been developed and share it with their own nations is part of the process, I think. Right. You know, it's a, a lot about education and data and evidence just like the rest of orthopedics, diversity is no different. And, you know, we really need those expertise, that expertise brought in to help. Well, that's perfect. I wonder if I might just kind of summarize what, you know, I think you've been speaking about. And for those who are listening in, I think sometimes what happens is, you know, you'll see uh, presentations, you'll hear podcasts and you think, oh, you know, you know, diversity is this big global issue. But I think we have to always remember, and I think from your teachings, Jen, I think it's, you know, it's not just a, a global issue, it's a local issue. We have to be thinking about it, how we can manifest 
you know, these changes every day. We sometimes think of it as a social issue, but it's actually mm. our individual issue. We have to be thinking it's not out there. It's happening in yeah. each and every one of our lives. And yeah. um, if we can all become advocates, whether we join uh, associations, and I encourage all of um, yeah. those listening in um, for us to become members of the uh, it's IOTA. It's free. It's free. And that, you know, that's an easy one then if it's free, right? <laughs> I mean, we should just do it. But, you, um, but, but you can also contribute too, right, Dr. Green? Absolutely. We'd love people to contribute. Absolutely. We have, Sorry, you know, we have no, some sponsorship and, and, you know, we're very honored to have sponsorship yeah. from industry. Um, but yes, we obviously it, it does take mm. a lot of work and mm. we do employ someone to do a lot of background work. Um, yeah. So yes, we were, we would love donations, but it is, as you say, Mo, it's a very personal, it's a personal thing. It's a human interaction. And, and we do that every single day. And the way you interact with your junior staff and your medical students and your patients is really just a diverse, it can be a diversity driving activity every single day. Um, and just a, a moment of reaching out to someone who doesn't look like you can be incredibly powerful. There's a lot of evidence around that, the, you know, the, really the whole concept of that moment of mentorship, but you don't have to mentor someone for a year to have an impact on their career choices. You, you just have to show them that there is an opportunity and they may be welcome and that you're welcoming them to think about it. What a great way to enter the, uh, end this interview. And we're, we're so grateful for you uh, taking the time out of your afternoon to chat with us on OrthoJoe and um, we encourage the audience to think about joining IOTA, uh, which is really an important mission for all of us. So thank you so much, Dr. Green, and have a great afternoon. Thank you very much. And thank you for your support. Greatly appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Special episode note. The organization mentioned in this episode, the International Orthopedic Diversity Alliance, IOTA, is a U.S. registered not-for-profit organization.